It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape. And all you have to do to be more successful is give me a call, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Either way, you get in this morning and get your questions answered. Again, 404-872-0750. You know, while we're talking here, I need to open up my screen, and I don't have a mouse. It works very well. There we go. Well, one of the things that I have been contemplating this past week is mimosa weed. Do you know what mimosa weed is? I've had three people email me pictures of this confounding weed in their lawn in one case, in their garden in another case. It looks just like a little mimosa tree. Well, it does look just like a little mimosa tree, but it only gets at maturity about, oh, I guess 12 to 15 inches high. And so the question was, how do we deal with it? What do we do about mimosa weed? It is hard to control. I will grant you that. It is a miserable weed to try to control. It's not easy to control mimosa weed. Again, it looks just like a little mimosa plant. It's got little finely divided leaflets. It only stays usually around two or three inches tall unless you let it grow in a wild place in your, in your landscape. So here's what I know. Number one, it has seeds. It comes back from seed every year. And so that means it's an annual plant, which means that if you have some chemical that can prevent the seed from germinating, then you're way ahead of the game. And unfortunately, there is such a chemical that works pretty well. It's called isoxabin. And that is a chemical name because there's several products that have isoxabin in them. One's called Gallery, G-A-L-L-E-R-Y, there are two or three more. But isoxabin is specifically designed to prevent broadleaf weeds, broadleaf weed seeds, germinating. So isoxabin every spring, and very likely I think you'll get better control if you do repeat the application. Let's see if we do it in March, first of March, and then do it another time about six or eight weeks later. Sometime in very middle May, maybe early June perhaps, because the mimosa weed germinates under warm soil conditions. It can do some in the cool soil in spring, and then it gets a little bit warmer in May and June, and then the mimosa weed seeds really, really start germinating then. So one application early in the spring doesn't get all of it. Some of the seeds haven't even started germinating, so they don't start germinating maybe until May or June. And so you put two applications of isoxabin or gallery down. That's the first thing. Second thing is simply to be vigilant about pulling out the plants, spraying with Weed Be Gone or one of the other broadleaf weed killers, something that kills the plant when it germinates in the landscape. It can be do Roundup if you want to. Roundup, glyphosate, the active ingredient in Roundup. And you could use that as well. But anything that kills it in the landscape keeps the seeds from finally maturing. And if they don't mature, then the seed doesn't germinate. You don't have a, don't have a weed coming with that place next year. But you have to be careful. If you spray any weed killer on it, get it there early because those seeds, they seem to pop out on the bottom of the leaves, little golden seeds, little tiny rough-edged golden seeds. They pop out of the bottom of the leaf Within, it seems like a week after the thing germinates. So you got to be in there and get, be very vigilant about pulling, getting rid of the 
plants, the seedlings, as soon as you seed them. Don't let them go to seed because they will go to seed pretty quickly. So get in there and get them done. That's mimosa weed. The other weed that I've gotten lots of email complaints about is called Virginia copper leaf. And the way you distinguish Virginia copper leaf is where the leaves come together at the top of the plant. Two or three leaves will come together at the top of the plant and it will have a copper center. The bottom of the leaf, each one of them, will be a little bit coppery colored. That's the only way I can describe it. If you want pictures, you can go to my website or any other of the um, uh, online image places like Google Images or something like that. But it looks just like a little copper spot in the middle where three, two or three leaves come together. So the copper leaf is much easier to control. It is very, very susceptible to herbicides. I think a Soxamil would probably work on it too. But again, I think one, maybe two applications might be necessary, but usually you get, get control of copper leaf with one. Two, it is very easy to pull, very easy to spot, very easy to pull. And so if you're going to do anything, hand pulling is probably the easiest thing to do. It does not make seeds nearly as quickly as mimosa weed does. And so if you're pretty careful about walking around your landscape, walking around the garden every once in a while, seeing this weed and pulling it, when you see it, you can prevent it from going to seed and being a problem next year. So two problem weeds right now. One, mimosa weed looks just like a little mimosa plant there at the bottom of the, uh, the, underneath your other plants and just a couple of inches tall. And two, Virginia copper leaf with a copper, sort of copper color right in between where all of the leaves at the top of the plant come together. If you have questions about other weeds that need control, give me a call, 404-872-0750. We go to the phones this morning. First in line, again, the mouse doesn't want to go up here. First in line, our friend from Spalding County, Nicole. Good morning, Nicole. Mr. Reeves. How are you? Fine, fine. Did you have a good rain last night? I had a great rain last night. What about you? Same here almost all night. Boy, you need it because it was kind of dry. It was you know? getting dry. Yeah, it was getting dry a little bit. I went to the uh, garden in Ann uh, Springs. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Reed, you have to go and see this garden. It, it is incredible. They have a lot of raised beds, okay? And then it's because it's built in the rock. I mean, there's a lot of rock. Mm -hmm. So um, they put a lot of animals, like uh, plastic animals, but sheep <laughs> and zebra. And you should see those big lions. It is so, so neat. In the back, they build an amphitheater. theater. And five theaters yeah. for concerts and church and wedding and things like this. This is the Indian but, Springs you went to? Yes, Indian Springs um, on the other side of Jackson. Sure. This is a garden. I couldn't remember the garden, but um, it's uh, a, a lot of volunteers, but a lot of, uh, but anyway. They they had those big raised bed in the front. You should see that, Mr. Reeves. Do you remember what milk we look like? Yeah, the two or three milkweeds, but generally I've seen milkweeds, sure. It's high, and uh, this time of the year it's blooming like crazy. Uh -huh. But that morning, there was no wind. But I was coming closely, and I said, why are those birds moving? Ah, it was about like a thousand bees, bumblebees, Ooh, wow. honeybees, all, all kind of butterflies. And I, I think to myself, those people, they know what they were doing because our population's going down. And it's high because it's a kind of weed, but it bloom and it's moving. So and the bees. the bees and pollinators are in there working Incredible. The and at the, the bottom of it, they put some red flower because milkweed is white. Uh -huh. And they put those red flower in the bottom, low from the ground. 
It is such a pretty sight to see. Wow. It's nice. a time to reconnect with nature because we have a little bit more time. There was a lot of bird and it was really early in the morning. There was nobody there. And, uh, yeah, nice. I think that's one of the, one this, of the things that I've, I'm asked sometimes, you know, Nicole, is what kind of companion planting should we do in the vegetable garden? And the question is, should we put onions with um, tomatoes or should we put carrots with corn? Should we do various kinds of companion planting to repel pests? And I say, well, really none of that, that kind of companion planting, none of that works. What you can do, though, is put in flowers that bring in pollinators because many pollinators are not only feeding on nectar, but some of them feed on protein. Protein meaning aphids, protein meaning caterpillars, protein meaning all the things you don't want in your vegetable garden that these, some of the pollinators come and eat them too. And that's why having the milkweed and maybe the pentas or whatever the red flower was you had underneath the milkweed, that's why that's so important in a vegetable garden is to have flowers that bring in the predators and the pollinators because they help your vegetable garden thrive. And once you go in, they have big signs to show us what the predator and the uh -huh. good and sick uh -huh. and what's going to eat the bad and sick. And it's really ed educational, you know, because we need to know all that. I always plant flowers with my vegetables because I know that uh, this uh, big dog on caterpillars getting yeah, eat yeah. my tomato again. I, I have something. to catch him, him, Mr. Reef. I have, I have learned something this past week about a predator insect that I did not know was even in Georgia. But it's interesting that a fellow sent me an email and said, I have these weird big wasp-like insects that are hovering around the carpenter bee holes in my shed. What, what do you think that is? And I said, I'm not really sure what it is. Why don't you send me a picture? Why don't you try to capture one and send me a picture hovering around carpenter bee holes? What would that be? And so he sent me a picture finally of an insect that was very fuzzy. Nicole, it had very fuzzy orange shoulders on this bud. I thought, now what in the world is that? Fortunately, all my colleagues at the Extension Service, we have a little email go around that we send uh, odd pictures to each other to try to identify. My friend Julie Macy used to be in, in uh, Conyers in Rockdale County. And Julie Lynn sent me back a note that said that is a giant resin bee, R-E-S-I-N, giant resin bee. And what they do, they go into carpenter bee holes and bring out the larvae of the carpenter bee and eat it and then occupy the carpenter bee hole. All right. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I got something too I got a hold. Boy, oh boy. I thought you'd be pleased to hear that. So if you look around at your carpenter bee holes in your shed, Nicole, you see this big bee-like thing. It looks like a wasp sort of. It was about an inch and a half long. Very, very orange, fuzzy shoulders. Not aggressive to people much at all. Um, that is a giant resin bee. And I'm going to feature that in my newsletter next week. So anybody that wants to see a picture of the giant resin bee, you subscribe to the newsletter, and you'll get that this coming Thursday morning. I guess it's beating, chewing gum <laughs> in the hole, isn't it? Anything's going to do. There's a hole yeah, everywhere. Good yeah, exactly grief. right. Nicole, I got to go. It's great talking to you again this Saturday morning. We'll see you next Saturday. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. It's 618, and we'll be back after this. Make sure you get to work on time Monday with Atlanta's Morning News triple-team traffic coverage every six minutes. Plus, we'll look ahead to the change of plea hearing next week for accused leaker reality winner on WSB and the WSB Radio app. We got married in a fever, hotter than a pepper sprout. 
We've been talking about Jackson ever since the fire went out. I'm and a quick weather Jackson. update brought to you by Ackerman Security today. 60% chance of showers this afternoon. Going to be a good chance of rain. Boy, we had a good one last night at my house. Overnight lows around 89 degrees tomorrow, about the same. The chances of rain about the same. Tomorrow the high around 90 degrees, low overnight 73. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Comes to us now, Brother Ed from Johns Creek. Hey, Ed, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Um, I've got a uh, situation with a uh, trumpet vine that was uh, planted in the ground before we bought our home about 13 years ago. Right. I'm going to guess it's been there for 15 or 16 years, and it grows up on a trellis, uh, which is uh, underneath uh, or above uh, the vine, and I keep it cut down from so it doesn't climb up the tree and so forth, up, yeah. up the pine tree. But the problem I'm having is it is sending out shoots, and I'm a novice gardener, by the way. It sends shoots out, and they are, um, first several years, I would just cut them off at the you know, ground level and not work, worry too much about them. But I have um, like a wall of hedges that grows around my yard, probably 30 or 40 hedges, about five feet tall. And these vines grow up through these hedges, and you have to crawl around on the ground up. So the bottom line on this, I want to get rid of this, the mothership. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, how do I do it? All, all the other people who are not novice gardeners are nodding their heads and saying, yeah, Ed, you learned it a little bit now, aren't you? I learned a little bit about that trumpet vine. <laughs> <laughs> and someone are saying over my shoulder saying, yeah, you should have started 20 years ago. You probably get rid of it by now. Yeah, you're sure. Well, it's tough. Where were you when I needed you, I guess? Yeah, you're right, right, right. right. Well, well, why right didn't now. you talk to me 10, 20 years ago? There you go. So basically, Ed, it is a matter of starving the root, just like it is with wisteria, kudzu, privet, bamboo, all of them. If you starve the root, it will not thrive. If you don't have any leaves to absorb sunshine, the plant cannot live and cannot thrive. So your best bet is simply to go in and cut it down. You've already got good practice at that and dab every stump, every little cut stump, with a little bit of Roundup, or spray with Roundup. If you have a little trigger spray with Roundup in it, you just go out there once every week or so. Where you see a sprout, cut it off, spray it with Roundup. Cut it off, spray it with Roundup. It won't re-sprout from that spot. It may re-sprout close by, but it won't come from that spot anymore. Eventually, the roots in that area will be starved because they don't have any foliage, and you just keep working on that. When you cut down the big one, the mothership you talked about just now, that's really going to stimulate a lot of new sprouts around. So don't be surprised if you see 10 or 20 or you know, 30, maybe in a couple of weeks' time, that come up all underneath your shrubbery and other places in the landscape because that's where the roots of the mothership have gone. Mm. So it is not an easy job, I'll tell you that. And you can do it, but it just simply won't be easy to get them all under control immediately. Right. Uh, I went to my favorite um nursery which is your yeah, favorite nursery too and one of the professionals there indicated that i could also cut up, cut it off and then take a like a chainsaw he said because this the base of this thing is like four or five sure inches in big. diameter yeah, of the vine right. and he said dig underneath the ground and cut off the roots that go out from there do you think just cutting it off that would help thing, too it's not think? a bad idea too you get down and cut some of the roots and transmit the uh, nutrients maybe out to the ends of the roots. That's not a bad idea at all. So, yeah, I think I would do that too. Go down as deep as you can, cut the roots off so they can't transmit anything out to the ends of the roots. It's 628. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. 
It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 635 on a Saturday morning, 71 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your garden. You heard the number. Dial it, 404-872-0750. If you want to talk about weeds, this is certainly the time of year to talk about weeds. I was out spraying poison ivy, as a matter of fact, yesterday, showing my teenage helper how to distinguish between poison ivy and Virginia creeper. And many of you know that poison ivy has three leaflets, right? And Virginia creeper, a very innocuous, non-harmful vine, looks a lot like poison ivy, but lives in the same area, I guess. It has five leaflets, except yesterday I was cleaning out some poison ivy, or I was cleaning out Virginia creeper, and I saw the Virginia creeper um, vine, and it had places with Excuse me, I tried not to sneeze, but then I had to sneeze. Excuse me. I had looked at the Virginia creeper vine and noticed there were three leaflets in one part of the vine, four leaflets in another part of the vine, five leaflets in the mature part of the vine. I thought, oh, Lord, what am I going to do now to explain how to tell the difference between poison ivy and Virginia creeper if Virginia creeper has three, four, and five leaflets on it? I took a picture of it to post on my website to show that you can have three leaflets, and they look like they were not going to develop into any more than three, just the three right there. So I guess the thing to do is if you see three leaflets, try to follow it back, follow the vine backwards, and if you see more and more clusters of three leaflets, you think, well, that's probably poison ivy. But if you see that it turns from three to four to five leaflets, then you think, well, that must be Virginia creeper, because five leaflets certainly means it's not poison ivy, it is Virginia creeper, and those, again, those vines are harmless and can be left alone. we got to go to the phones. Oh, my gosh, talk about weeds. Here's Debbie from Marietta. Hey, Debbie, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my son has a pretty good crop of dove weed in his Bermuda and can't figure out the best way to get rid of it. How did, let's make sure he has dove weed, because if he does, it's not good news. So how does he diagnose it, or how do you know that's what he has? Well, I diagnosed it just from looking it up. Okay. You know, trying to figure out the weed. Dove weed is really hard to control. It's That's a broad. It, it behaves as a broadleaf weed, even though the leaves themselves look a little grass-like. Mm -hmm. And so, let's see. What am I going to tell you to do? I'll be honest. How much of the lawn is infected with the dove weed, Debbie? Mm, Lots. Fifty percent. Twenty-five. Maybe ten percent. It's just there's a large concentration of it in certain areas. His best bet is to dig it up. There's just okay. not a spray that works very well on it. You can try, if he wants to try, one of the three and four-way weed killers that are, there's four, there's three of them, I guess, that I recommend commonly. One is the Bayer season-long weed control, the mm -hmm. Ortho Weebicon Max, and the Bonide uh, Weed Beater Ultra. All three of those have four ways of affecting broadleaf weeds in them. And three the three of them, I think, are pretty equal in their ability to control dove weed, but it will not 
died with just one spraying. It'll take more than right. one, maybe two sprays. But digging it up right. gets you the most immediate control and the lack of uh, or the elimination of new seeds. If you dig up the plants and throw them all away, then they're not making new seeds. Whereas with right. the sprays, they can, if some of the plants escape, then they can make new seeds and you just continue the problem on down the line. Okay. So have a little doveweed party and um, everybody bring a little spade or a trowel or something like that. Dig it up and throw it out. Well, we're having a birthday party today. so. Well, then everybody, I'm sure, comes to the birthday party wanting to dig weeds. Sure, of course. <laughs> That's what I do every time I come with a trowel. Try that, Debbie. See go. what everyone says when you say, now we're going to dig weeds after the birthday party. Okay. Thank you, Walter. Yeah, Debbie, thanks for calling. Good luck with it. We'll see if it works. I hope it does. Thanks for calling. Vicki is in Dunwoody, joins us in Lawn and Garden. Hey, Vicki, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Hi, Vicki. I Vicky. have uh, cucumbers, yeah. and every year I plant them on the same place. I had a lot of cucumbers. This year, no pollinators come, yeah. so I don't. Ha I got lots of flowers, but I don't have a single cucumber, nothing. Well, remember, too, Vicki, that usually on cucumbers and melons and squash, that the male flowers usually appear on the vine first and so you may not yet have any female flowers it's a little early in the oh, in the spring okay. to have that it so might be that case it yeah, might be yeah, that yeah. case huh go look okay. at the vine tell you what do go look at the cucumber vine the male flowers the ones that i think come early are the yeah. ones that have just a little yellow flower and nothing but a little green stem underneath that connects them to the main cucumber vine mm. the female flowers they're the ones that have the flower itself a little tiny, tiny, tiny cucumber, exactly. then a green stem, yeah. and then a main vine. Yeah, I don't have that. I only got the female flowers the this ma year. The male flowers? Yeah. Okay. The, the male, yeah, male, the male. Yeah. It's only the little flower with the growth yeah. without the cucumber. I know how they All look right. because I do that every year. Eventually, if you have a healthy vine, it will make female flowers. Do I need to fertilize them more? Not really. I don't think so. If it's growing healthily, not, if the leaves aren't turning yellow. and No, no, they great leaves. They great leaves. So I thought I was going to let them die. Then I no. don't supposed to do that, huh? No, let them, I think let them grow for a while because it's, yeah. when it matures, when it gets the right stage of how much, how many square inches of leaf surface to the root system it has, when the, when the plant feels comfortable they have a in reproducing, place, then it will make the female flowers and you will have a bunch of cucumbers then. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. Okay, thank you so much. Can I plant some others or it's too late to plant oh, no, others you can plant cucumber. Oh, shoot, you can plant cucumbers into July. Sure, you got plenty of time. Okay, thank you so much. Good thank talking you. to you. Bye -bye. Thanks for calling, Vicki. Comes to us Ms. from Jasper, Georgia. Miss Nancy this morning. Hey, Nancy, good morning. Nancy? Nancy, are you there? I think Nancy's gone off somewhere. Let's put her on hold here. And let's go to, let's see. Nancy, are you there? Okay. Well, in that case, let's go to uh, Mary in Roswell. Hey, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. I have a bank of, of azaleas in the backyard, and I noticed one. Sorry, I have a bad cold. I noticed uh -huh. one. The leaves are all copper. And huh. then just below, there's a bush that's partial copper. My cousin thinks it's a fungus, a blight, a and I need to address it uh, very quickly because it could affect all of the, and I mean, this is a whole long bank that's grown for like 20 years. But it's all the leaves on every shrub is copper colored, not green colored. One bush in the whole bank, and then just below it, there's another bush starting to turn sort of a copper color. So, okay, so there's just one bush out of the bank that's copper-colored. 
then yes, sir. we can find out what's going on with it and not let it spread if it is a, a disease of some sort, not let it spread to the rest of the plants. Hmm. Yes. I'm thinking, you can't hear the gears grinding, but the gears and the marbles are shaking around in the top of my head here to think what would be happening on an azalea. I notice, now this is not copper though. I notice this is a time of year when folks begin to see, I see it myself in my azaleas, the beginning of the azalea lace bug. But azalea lace bug makes the leaves look sort of a yellowy white as they suck juice out of the, no, out of the leaves and turn yellow white. Sort of orange. Um, I'm wondering if this is some nutrient deficiency, Mary. And I'm wondering, too, if that azalea that's turning copper-colored has either a lot of water or something weird going on in the root system of that plant that it can't absorb a nutrient. Iron, uh, manganese, copper, one of the weird nutrients that a plant needs a little bit of. So here's what I would do. I would get a little rake and go underneath the azalea and rake out all the mulch and get down on your hands and knees, honestly, and look at the base of the plant because that's where I think this is coming. If the whole plant is involved and it's all copper, then I want to make sure the root system is intact, is working well, is not soggy, is not dug around by voles or something like that, and just do a little bit more exploration, I guess, on the base of the plant to see what's going on because I suspect, again, that it's a root problem and not a disease. Or if it is a root disease, then it'll be affecting just that one plant and not particularly spreading rapidly to everything else around the azaleas. Well, so that's what that's you don't what a, think it's a, a fungus? Not or, yet. Not yet. It's not a leaf fungus at all. It could be a root fungus, but that might be caused by too much water, which I hope, I think, you'll discover by going and digging around the plant, if indeed that is the case. If indeed it's wet, you'll find out it's too soggy for plants to grow there. So that's what I think to do. Tell you what, Mary, do that, and then report back next Saturday, and we'll talk about it further and see if we've found any clues that can be, that can be used to figure out what's going really on. So you think? So I'm sorry to recap. You think it's? I think it's root. I think it's root and lower root. stem involvement, something like that, not leaf problems. All right. Thank you very, very much. All right, Thank Mary. You. Let's hear from you next Saturday to see what's going on there, because I will be real curious to find out what is what is going on. We've got David in Fayetteville. Hey, David. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Good morning, brother David. What's going on? I I love elephant ears of all yeah. varieties. And I ordered a bunch of seeds, which is a little bit on the rare side, usually sure, from yeah. bulbs. Yeah. But I, I don't. I've been trying to get these seeds to sprout, but I just don't know how to do it. I've, I've put them in potting soil. They, they look like little arrows with feathers on them. Yeah. And I, I gingerly, with tweezers, have put them uh, mostly on the top of potting soil, and then I put a. a paper towel on top of them and keep the paper towel damp yeah hoping that these darn things will sprout what's the secret where, where are you keeping them where are the seeds are they indoors out outdoors in, in the sun de sun neck and so that's exposed to 90 degree temperatures during the day uh yes because they need warm you know that they need warm soil like yeah. 80 70 to 75 maybe degree warm soil during the day even maybe a little bit warmer than that would be good for elephant ear so as long as they're warm, that's good. Now, why else would it not germinate? Let me think. Have you taken the paper towel off and just sort of tweezed out the soil around the seed to see if it has split, see if anything's no, coming out I, of it? No, I've 
done several things. I've planted them different ways. I've got some some that I just laid on top of the potting soil mm-hmm. without a paper towel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've stuck them in the soil, and uh, most of them, I, like I say, I've laid them on top of the soil with a paper towel that I put a couple of drops of water on yeah. to keep them wet. I've not had direct experience. I've seen them germinate in a little greenhouse, but I've not done it myself to see what they did before they germinated in the greenhouse. So I'm not positive that they either light that they need light to germinate, like impatiens need light to germinate, and some seeds need to dark in order to germinate. So I'm not really sure about that. I don't know anything that you're doing specifically because I just don't have that much experience, David, with it. So I'm going to have to refer you up to the the great garden Google in the world and go to your computer and ask there if there's some different reason about propagating those sil- those seeds that I haven't thought about. Well, right. I have been on the Internet, but there doesn't seem to be any questions about it or answers uh-huh. about it. But So I'm, I'm just going blind trying to get these things going. Yeah. I, I love them from bulbs. They do real well. And it never says anywhere on there how long it takes for them to finally germinate. <laughs> no, it so, doesn't. Oh, man, that's not good. Well, all I can say, David, is just keep on trying what you're doing. Keep on looking because I'm not going to be a whole lot of help for you today to know what's going on. Um, keep trying to keep them warm. Keep them outside in different conditions with the paper towel and the paper towel knot on them. And let me know what happens. Maybe you'll learn something that I don't know, and I'll learn it and tell it to the next person who asks the question about it. It's 648 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the Lawn and Garden advice you need. Maybe a chance of rain this afternoon. 60% chance of rain later in the afternoon. Storms perhaps high of 88, low of 72 overnight. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds, high of 91 and low of 73. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Nancy and Jasper joins us once again. Hi, Nancy. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Hi, Nancy. What's up? We've got this apple tree. It's an old apple tree, and it's full of apples, but it has no leaves. How can that be? I don't know. It's the weirdest thing you've ever seen. It's And the apples are not near as big as what they normally are. I wouldn't think so without any leaves to feed them. They don't have any way no to make good. Huh. Well, we know it had blooms because if it didn't have blooms, it wouldn't have apples. Um, right. If it had leaves... To begin with, and they all fell off, then the only disease that really makes them fall that prolifically is cedar apple rust. And you still should have seen some leaves, even though they're small leaves, on the tree back mm, April to mid-May. So there may have been some then. I don't know. I mean, I really didn't pay that much attention to it. Yeah, it you got just, you, All of a sudden, we look at it, and there's all these apples on it, but there's no leaves. Huh. Go look for leaves out there, Nancy, because just probably, probably there were small leaves and they got a disease like, again, cedar apple rust, and they uh-huh. all fell off. But something started the, the whole process of the apple growing, and now that the leaves gone, the apple's not going to grow any bigger. 
so we got to figure out what's going on with the leaves and i think there were leaves that just fell off so you okay. have to go back go back home look underneath the trees see the little leaves underneath there if you had cedar apple rust cedar apple rust looks like little yellow orange dots all over the leaves themselves and they may not be there now because the leaves have been off for a while but cedar apple rust orange spots all over the leaves and then they fall off that's why the apple people do not like cedar trees near their apple orchards because they give them cedar apple rust and defoliate and they got problems just like nancy does here it's 658 at news talk wsb we'll be back to more lawn and garden after news